Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. This is it, part three of our series called Uphill Habits. How many of you have habits? How many got good habits? Anybody who's like, yeah, I got some good, anybody got bad habits? You got some weird things? Yeah. We all have habits, and what we've learned over this course of the series is, is that um, really what we want to do is align our habits with our hopes and dreams, because this is, this is the kind of the big thesis of the whole series is that most people have uphill hopes and dreams, but they end up with downhill, downhill hat. I'm going to just push the button. Nothing there. Yep. There it is. There's no button y'all. It's just, it's just a TV. I need to get a TV with a button. Uh, so most people have uphill hopes. Isn't that true? Especially at the beginning of the year, right? You start this whole new year and you're like, okay, it's, it's, I'm turning a new leaf. I'm tur- it's a new chapter in my life. It's to thank God. I mean, thank God last year's over. Anybody had one of those years? Yeah, you're so glad that year's over. It's a new year, a new hope, new dream. I mean, it's going to be better and we have uphill hopes. But here's the problem. If you keep and maintain last year's habits or the habits that you've had for the last few years or decades or whatever your story is, I'm just telling you that you're going to keep getting what you've always gotten. So at some point you need to evaluate your habits and determine, man, maybe I need to change my habits and align my habits with my hopes and dreams. And so on week one, what we talked about was this, and this is really the most important thing is that we have to put first things first. And we talked about this very specifically that God is preeminent. He is first and above all. So God needs to be first. And if I'll put God first, That will order everything else in my life. And then habit number two, this was last week, is I will manage my thought life. So huge, so critical, so important, because here's what we learned. The difference between happy people and unhappy people is not their circumstances. It's just how well they manage their thought life. Because we know that there are people in great circumstances, but they're, they're depressed and things are bad in their life and they don't feel joy or peace. And yet there's other people who are going through incredible hardship in life. And yet they can still sleep easy at night, rest easy at night, have peace and joy because they've learned how to manage their thought life. And this is my big takeaway is this is I'm shocked when I look at the number of scriptures that don't talk about your heart, but they talk purely and specifically about your thought life. And when you put all of those scriptures together, you have this incredible blueprint on how to live a successful life and how to be happy even when things around you aren't because you've learned how to manage your thought life. Now, everybody say today. Now, today is a a, a different one, but but let me just say this for just sake of conversation here. Uh, Me and my wife were talking about this, that when you think about these habits, and especially even what I'm gonna talk to you about today, there's nothing groundbreaking about what I'm sharing with you, is there? Like me telling you put God first in your life, nobody's like, oh my gosh, I've never, you know, for most Christians and churchgoers, that's not like a brand new thought. Managing your thought like maybe some new ideas there. But my, my point is this, is I'm not really trying to, to get you brand new information. Because what most of us don't need is more new information. Have you ever thought about that? Or, or I could just say it like this. How many of you would agree that we are all educated beyond our level of obedience? Okay, okay, so good. Uh, y'all are tracking with me. So my, my point was this, is I don't need to teach you something new. We need to apply something that's timeless. Can I get a what, what? Yeah, so the point is, is that nothing I'm going to share with you today is going to be like, oh my gosh, I have never heard that before. No, 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 it's going to be something that I remind you of that I need you to apply, but it's critical, it's huge, it's so absolutely important. And just so you know, like these are things that I've taught in the past, but these are four of the most important habits that I think you can 
remind yourself, refresh yourself, and reapply for this year so that you can have some uphill habits that match your uphill hopes and dreams. Now, with, with that being said, I need to confess to you this morning. The thing that I'm going to share with you today is, is tied in and related to this, this thing, but I just thought, let me just get it off my chest. I, I did something bad. I'm going to confess it. So the other day, I went to this rehab zoo. And a rehab zoo is literally that. They take in like hurt animals and they, they take them and rehabilitate them so they can either reintroduce them to the wild or if they realize that this, this animal will never live in the wild, they just take care of it. It's kind of a rehab. It's really cool though. It's really cool what they do. And one of the things that we were able to look at is these really cool birds. We were petting tarantulas and snakes and there's a possum. A little trainer comes out and feeds the possum. How gross is that? Yeah. So, but when they did the snake thing, I'm not even supposed to be there. I showed up like my wife was, was organizing this and I'm just like standing in the corner and they're like, hey, you, can you, can you do this? We need you to give um, Purell to all the little kids before they pet the snake, right? So that the, the snake doesn't catch a cold, apparently. Is... And, then, and then all the kids need Purell after they've touched the snake in case the snake had a cold, apparently. And so anyway, so they hand me this this, and I'm, I'm not lying. It's like a, you know, you know what like a, those old school diner ketchup bottles are? And it's like that, but it's full of like Purell. And that was called like the hand sanitizer. I don't use this stuff, right? So because I don't use this stuff, I don't really know how much I'm supposed to give out. So I got these little kids, right? With these little tiny hands that are half the size of mine. And I'm like, you know, doing... And I just put these big gobs in their hands. I just thought that was the normal amount, right? It seems obvious. You want to be clean and, you know, desanitize your kids, wipe this on your face, yeah, everything. So, so I give out these big gobs. And every little kid is just like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then this one girl was like, oh, you gave me too much. And she's like, I don't know what to do. He gave me too much. And she's like, diamond me out. I'm like, man, be quiet, just just do this, you know? And so then, you know, we all pet the snake. I pet the snake. Petting snakes are cool, just they feel weird. Anyway, so we all pet the snakes. And then the the, the person that works there is like, okay, now you got to go give Purell to all the other kids. Well, when I gave myself Purell, I realized like, okay, that's too, that is too much. That's legit. That's just way too much because I was doing this, you know? So I thought, the first time I gave out Purell, I didn't know, so I gave everybody too much on accident. It was an accident. Sometimes you do things on accident, right? But this time, I thought, this time I'm going to do it on purpose. I'm going to just give everybody a little dime size of some Purell, right? So, but, but see, what had happened was that girl that dimed me out, she did it again. And what she did was she was like, don't give me too much. You gave me way too much last time. And I'd, I'd already given everybody a dime. I was on point. And then she dimed me out again. Do you know what I did? <laughs> and then she was like, you did it again. And I thought, see, sometimes you do things on accident. But sometimes, bless God, you do it on purpose. So, and did you ever have siblings? If you had siblings... You know how this works. You grew up as a kid and like your little brother or your little sister, or it could be your big brother. Big, it doesn't even matter. It goes both ways. They want to met you done been building Legos and then they, and you're like, mom. And then I did it. It was an accident. But deep in your heart, you're like, mm -mm -mm, I did it on purpose. 
Today, what I want to talk about has to do with this idea of some things you do on accident. Bless God, sometimes you need to do it on purpose. But that being said, let's get into habit number three is this. Habit number three is this, is I will manage my time, everybody say on purpose. I did it on purpose. There's certain things in life that you need to do on purpose, and managing your time is one of them. And here's why. We'll just get into some reasons why. I will manage my time on purpose, number one, because I have a purpose. Like you need to know as a Christ follower that you did not show up to this people planet on accident. Regardless of what your mama told you, you are not an accident. That's what my mom told me. She's like, we weren't sure. (laughs) You just showed up. Anyway, don't tell your kids, even if it's true, just don't even tell them that. Just like, no, we planned for you. So because you need to know that regardless of what mom and dad had in mind, Uh, You have a purpose in Christ Jesus. Like God has a purpose for your life. As a matter of fact, I'll prove it to you. Listen to Psalms 139. David made this kind of insight. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. What David's insight was this, regardless of my circumstances and what goes on around me, regardless of how happenstance the world seems to be, that I am here and God has a purpose that he has pre-planned for me. I'll prove it. This is Paul's insight. Paul said this. He said, for we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I want you to know that there are some good works there are things that you need to do. So you have gifts, talents, time, ability. You have this, this opportunity around you right now. And the greatest question that you can be asking yourself is, God, what is my purpose? Why am I here? What, what, why, did I, why was I brought into this world? Because you were not brought in as an accident and you shouldn't live your life by accident and by default. Because if you have a purpose, you need to discover what it is and say, I need to live my life or I need to manage my time with that purpose in mind. So what's my purpose in life? God, why am I here? It's got to be for more than watching Netflix marathons. There's got to be a great, it's got to be a greater purpose than showing up to that same job that I hate and doing the same thing over. There's got to be more than that. There's got to be more than this life that says, well, I go to, I go to school and then I get a job and then, and then I retire and then I play golf and then I die. It's got to, there's got to be more, right? Please. Amen. Yes, there's got, there's got to be more. So what is my purpose? And if you'll dig down even deeper, you know what you can do? You can ask even more powerful questions like, what is my purpose? If you're a dad, you can say, what is my purpose as a, as a dad? What is, my, what is my purpose as a mom? What is my purpose as a wife? What is my purpose as a husband? What is my purpose in that job that I don't even like? God, do you have a purpose for me beyond what I can currently see? I want you to know that you have a purpose. So it is important in light of that, that you manage your time on purpose. Here's, here's the second reason why. Because there's competition for your time and attention. Right? So if you don't manage your time on purpose, other people will. Have you ever thought about that? Like that if you just say, I don't know what I'm going to do with my time. Eventually, other people will dictate and dominate your time. How many of you have a friend, have a relative, have a person? Have some, like, yeah, yeah. They'll just get in and they will zap all of your time. They, they want your time. They want your energy. And so if you don't have plans... They'll suck it out of you. Hey, I want you to know corporations, they have a plan for your time. They have a plan for your money, don't they? If you don't have a plan for those things, I I promise you, they want to know what's in your wallet, right? (laughs) Like, 
I, I, I have a plan for you. Do you know what? Amazon has a plan for you. Do you know that? The whole Prime thing, that's their plan. But get it to you faster. You need to go to the mall, but the mall's got a plan for you. And, and I'm just telling you, Visa, Visa has a plan for you. And what marketing has, what marketing has done is marketing, marketing has kind of pushed us into extreme levels to where, I'll just put it like this. If one is good, two is better, right? Isn't that what basic marketing says? Like, hey, hey, you, you, got, you got one car, but two would be what? Nobody wants two cars? So if, if one car would be good, then two would be, well, let me, y'all, y'all, if you had one dollar, then two would be, if you had a donut, one donut would be good, but two would be, that's right, even on a fast, um, one kid would be good, but two would be harder, yeah, yeah. One wife would be good, but two would be, now y'all are crazy now, I just was messing with y'all, y'all failed miserably. One, one wife is enough, I promise. One seminary guy asked a question to his professor. He goes, why did Solomon have so many wives? What the professor said, he said, man, he was just hoping one of them would be in a good mood when he got home. So one, one is plenty, I promise. One is plenty. Just roll the dice with one. So um, Ecclesiastes, uh, listen to what Solomon said. Incredible insight. Solomon says this, better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil and chasing after the wind. Are you picking up what he's putting down? What he's saying is this is most people live life just doing this with both hands. They're always trying to get more, reach for what I need more. I want to have more. Like this is why your definition of rich is, is flawed because your definition of rich is, is it's more than I already have, right? Hey, what would it take for you to be rich? I don't know, but it's more than I currently have. Like it's, whatever I have now, I need more. So I need two hands going at all times. And Solomon said, watch, I would rather have one handful here, but then one hand open. And if I did that, I'd actually live with some peace of mind. And so you need to, again, if you're going to live this life, you need to plan your purpose or plan your time with purpose. Because if you don't, everybody else will. Number three is this, uh, this kind of obvious here. You need to plan your time with purpose because time is short. Like, I don't know if you realize that it depends on how old you are today. Cause I've noticed like when you're young, you're like, I'll live forever. There is no end in sight to you if you're a young person. At some point, though, you cross a line in your life where you start like realizing, like, I have less days ahead of me than I do behind me. And you and then it scares some of us. And some of us go into a midlife crisis because of that reality. We were scared. But no matter where you're on that spectrum, you just need to know right now that your time is short. And I'll, I'll prove it to you. Like, listen to the scripture that that James says, this is huge. James says, now listen, you who say today or tomorrow, I mean, I don't really, I don't really know. I don't, maybe we're going to go to this city or that city. I mean, I don't, it don't even matter. It's not a big deal. We're going to go somewhere at some point in time and we're going to spend a year there. Maybe we'll do some business. Maybe we'll make some money. And he goes, why, why do you, why do you talk like that? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. So James is really strong and he kind of is putting this rebuke on you. He's like, don't be a person that just kind of assumes that you're going to have tomorrow because tomorrow is promised to no one. It's not promised. Tomorrow is not promised. And your life is short. You just need to know that. I don't, I don't know if you ever thought about this, but studies have proved that one out of every one person dies. Right? So we're all, we're all going to die. It's, it's just a fact of life. It's, it's not a fun one, but it's, it's just true. I'm sorry. 
This is not, this is not my best Joel Osteen moment right here. I'm not really encouraged, but I'm telling you the truth because I love you. I'm your pastor. We're all going to die. And so the question is not, will I die? The question should not even be, when will I die? Because you're not, you're not really certain of that. The question would be, what will I do with my life before I die? And this is what he says here. He goes, what is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while. Literally, the word is like vapor. Another translation says vapor. It's like almost like you're, you're boiling water, a little steam that comes up, and then poof, it's gone. That's your life. That's all you got. You're here for a moment, gone the next. You're here for a little while, and then it vanishes. Instead, what you ought to say is, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. Meaning, I always need to start with God first. And say, if it is the Lord wills, so I need to figure out what is the purpose that God has given me in this life. And if the Lord wills, then I will go do this or do that. It is the reality that my time is short, that life is but a vapor and a mist. It will vanish away. My time is short. So in light of that, I need to plan my time on purpose. Are you tracking with me so far? Good. good. One. One person. Now, here's how I want you to do that. Because again, I'm probably not telling you that whole thing about you're going to die one day. I didn't tell you anything new. You already knew that. The whole thing about other people clamoring for your time and attention, you already knew that. Here's how I want you to do it though. Here's some, just some key insights on how you master this habit of planning your time on purpose. Number one is this, is you need to decide what is important. Like it is one of the best mental exercises. You can literally get pad and paper if you're pen and paper if you want to but have this mental exercise of, God, what is important? What, what have you deemed is important? What do I believe is important? God, what is it that right now I can sit down and say, these are the most important things in my life. And I need to decide, God, with your help, with your wisdom, what is actually important in my life. I just remember back, I was given a, a slightly different mental exercise, but it was along the same lines. It was simply this. What do you want people to say about you when they get up and speak at your funeral? Go live that life. When you think about the end of your life and what you want to be known for, what you want to have accomplished in life, then work yourself backwards. And you're like, these are the things then that are most important. So I want to leave a legacy with my children. I want to do these things in life. I want to make a kingdom difference. I want, so I need to decide now what is important. Have you heard the story about the man? This guy didn't know it was important. So this guy is at the Super Bowl, which is coming up. In a few weeks, I'm going with, with Vikings Pats. I think that's just the best storyline, right? Y'all are not interested. So nobody cares. The Niners aren't in it. The Raiders aren't in it. It doesn't even matter. So, but the, the Super Bowl is coming. And this guy is at the Super Bowl, and he notices that the man next to him has an empty seat. And they're like well into like the second quarter, and no one shows up. And so he bumps the guy and goes, hey, I noticed you got a seat over there empty for you. Is it? What, what happened to that guy? What happened to that person? What happened? Whose ticket was that supposed to be? And he goes, oh, that's my ticket. It was for my wife. He's like, really? What, what happened? He goes, well, my wife just passed away. He goes, man, I'm, I'm so sorry. He goes, are you, are you leaving that seat open like to kind of honor her? And he goes, no, no, not, not really. He goes, okay. Man, those are expensive tickets. I mean, these are, this is like going to Super Bowl is like a, a a once in a lifetime opportunity for most people. Like you didn't want to invite like a friend or a relative or somebody to come along with you. And he said, I couldn't. And he goes, why not? He goes, they're all at the funeral. This guy didn't, 
That was funny. You gave like, oh, but it was, you gave me, that was funny. That was funny. That was good. I had you in this moment too, where you felt like it was going to be like this heartfelt story. There was nothing. I didn't set you up that it was a joke. My bad. Um, this guy clearly didn't know what was important in life, right? So when you, when you don't decide what is important in life, you end up living on default. You end up living by cultural standards. You end up living by what other people want you to do. You end up living by your maybe your cravings and desires that aren't so godly because you didn't decide in advance what was most important to you. Listen to what Paul says. Paul says, whatever was to my profit... I mean, I thought it was really good at the time. I thought it was good for me. I actually now consider that loss for the sake of Christ. And what is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. And I consider them rubbish. Everybody say rubbish. That's really nice. That I may gain Christ. What was he telling you? He was saying, I changed my value system. All the things that were important to me before, all the things that I had decided that were important, what happened was, is when I came to Christ, what I realized was that there was a shift in my priority. There was a a shift in my value system that now the things that used to be important were not important anymore, that I had set my sights on bigger, better things, divine things, eternal things, godly things, lasting things, really, truly valuable things. And then he goes on to say, I've count them all as rubbish. And this is really the Greek word, everybody say scubula. Scubula, it's literally a Greek word for poo. It goes, we said rubbish because we were just trying to be nice. Poo is maybe nice for scubula, just so you know. He's like, they're all poo. It's nothing. All the things that I thought were so important. I got, I got through my life. I got through a large portion of my life and then I came to Christ and I began to see the world differently. I realized everything behind me. I'm like, man, I was chasing after, after poo. So number two, I want you to do this. Not only do you need to decide what is important in life, now you actually need to, number two, give calendar time to the things that are actually important. So whatever it is that you put on that list, you actually have to give calendar time to it. Again, you don't want to live on accident. There's some things that you lived your life, you're like, I, I was, it was an accident. I want you to be people that get to the end of your life and say, no, 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 I did it on purpose. And so to do that, you have to decide what's important, but then you actually have to plan for it. I remember the first time I ever thought about this was I was listening to a, a conference speaker and he was an incredibly busy guy, but his relationship with God was the most important thing to him. He said, so this is what I did. I actually told my assistant, I have an appointment. And he goes, every morning at 9 a.m., I have an appointment on my calendar that's carved out and you can't bump that appointment. And he goes, every morning at 9 a.m., I literally have an appointment with Jesus. And that's on my calendar. Same thing's true of like date night. Like, like, like you ought, when you think about your, your wife and you think about spending time with your spouse, you need to have that planned because here, here's the reality of it. If I, if I, cause I'll do this every once in a while. Hey, when was the last time you had a date with your spouse? You know, that person that you say you love, you sleep next to all the time. You say you dedicated your life to when was the last time you took them on a date or went out on a date with them. They're like, oh my God, I don't know. Since the kids were born, or you know, I can't even remember how long. We got all these. But I'm telling you that you plan for, you calendar in the things that are the most important. Psalms 90, verse 12, I, I think speaks to this. Teach us to number our days and recognize how few they are and help us to spend them as we should. Meaning, like, I, I only got. A few, no, I, I did this. Have you ever gone to like deathclock.com? Have I done this before? Can I, am I the weird, weirdest guy in the room? Okay. 
Okay, so I went to this death clock. This is, I did this years ago. And you can put in your health metrics, you know, your BMI and your height and your weight. And do you smoke and drink and cuss and date girls who do or whatever is that thing. And, and I did all that and it gave me a number. So I'm going to die in 2053. Yeah. And that, I mean, now we know tomorrow's promise to no one, but I mean, just based on like the current lifespan of your average dude, I guess. I mean, that's what I got. So I can literally count backwards now and number my days and say, okay, if death clock is just generically somewhat on average, kind of in the ballpark, I know I've got a limited number of days. I got a limited number of weekends to spend with my kids before they go off to college. Like I can literally count. I can like my son is 14. So I got this many years until he maybe leaves to go to college. So I only got this many weekends with my son left. I, I need to, I need, so, so like, what do I do? Do I just accidentally then roam through time and hope I connect and hope I invest and hope I, does that make sense? Or do I plan it? No, I plan it. I put it on the calendar. Now, listen, I'm going to say something obvious. Putting God first is the most obvious thing that you need to do with your calendar. But here's a few other things that I want you to plan in that I just think are important. Number one is that you need to make time for rest. Like some of us, we run ragged. We are tore up from the floor. We don't get enough sleep. Our diet is kind of poor. We never just take time for ourselves to recharge. And here's the thing. If you don't take some time for you, then you really don't have you to give to your spouse, to your kids, to your job, to your purpose that God has given you. And so there is this, this is why the Sabbath principle is so important. It was this idea that you were designed for rest. And if you would give God some rest time, he would multiply the other time. Can I get an amen? Just, just somebody needs to think about it. Number two is this, not only rest, you need to make time for your loved ones. I'm just telling you what every person has ever told me, what I've ever read, because I'm not, I'm not old enough yet, but I'm telling you, this is, we know it like this. We've probably heard this phrase before. No one ever on their deathbed says, I wish I would have spent more time at the office. We're not like, dang it, man, I just, I'm gonna die. No, what, who are we thinking about? Every person, now I've prayed with people literally on their deathbed. They're thinking about their loved ones. So you need to actually calendar time in for the people that matter most to you. And then third, I'll just throw this one in here as well. You need to make time for eternity. You need to make time where you kind of go back to that, go, God, what is my purpose? Well, I know I need to rest because if I don't rest, I can't do my purpose. And if I don't rest, I can't love my loved ones. And I know these are the people you put in my life and I need to take care of that. But but what, what what have you put in my care What have you given me to do and to accomplish in this life that will last in the life to come? Have you ever thought about that before? What am I doing right now that will impact what goes on in eternity? You need to think about that. Because all the stuff that we're normally clamoring for, that stuff does not make it to heaven. You have never seen a U-Haul attached to a hearse. You ain't taking none of that stuff with you. The Bible says you came in here naked. You leave it naked. You ain't taking none of it. People, listen, right after you die, people will be eating snacks. I'm just telling you, none of that stuff that you, so what are you doing? Because what, what is it that gets to heaven? You ever thought, what, what goes to heaven? People do. Souls do. People, people go. What is your life doing that makes a kingdom difference that has an impact on eternity? These are things that you want to calendar into because they are important things. Number three is this. This is huge. Number three is eliminate the non-essentials. This simply means this. 
many times in life, we've decided what's important. We started countering the times in, but we got all this excess stuff going on in our life. Does that make sense? We got all these, like what I, what I would say is this, is not only do you need to make a to-do list based on what's important, but you also need to make a to-don't list. What are some things that like, no, this is a waste of my time. This is dumb. This is petty. This is not worth my time and attention. This is not worth my emotional energy. What is it that you need to maybe eliminate from your life? Listen to what Hebrews says. Hebrews says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and then let us run the, uh, with perseverance the race marked out for us. But notice he mentions two things. He says, let us throw off everything that hinders, and then he has a separate category, and the sin. Now, I mean, let's be honest. Okay, I'm a pastor. You're probably going to hear this. Yeah, let's, let's cut the sin out of our life because it's going to bring death, darkness, destruction. It's going to lead us into negative spirals, blah, blah, blah. But he's, he's saying not, not only is it a sin issue, sometimes you have non-essential things that are just hindering you. Sometimes you have good things that compete for the great things. You have temporal things that compete for the eternal things. Does that make sense? And so you need to make sure that you eliminate stuff that's not completely important. I'll give you an example. I read a study. It was the Nielsen who does TV ratings. Then they basically estimated that the average American, they actually spend 28 hours a week watching television. And so you start, okay, you're going to start doing math now. I saw everybody did this, which means you went to your calculating part of your brain. I'll give you the math. By the time you reach 70, you'll have spent 10 years sitting in front of a television. You're like, now, if I, got, if I, if I just said, hey, how many of y'all think we should devote 10 years to watching TV? I mean, like some of y'all are addicts, and you might be like, I know I'm all in. Some of you gamers, you're like, I've already dedicated 10 years, Todd. I'm, I'm way beyond you. I got 30 in. Um, my point would be this, like sometimes, and there's nothing wrong with watching TV. I love watching TV. I watch TV every night with my wife as a way to relax, put the kids to bed, put on the show and, and just chill. There's nothing wrong with watching TV. I'm just telling you that, the, that, that there's a cumulative effect to when you constantly give your time to unimportant things. So what is it in your life that you need to eliminate? And then lastly, we'll end on this and I'm done, is you need to regularly take inventory. Regularly take inventory. And this is where you start asking questions like this. Because um, life drifts. Have you ever noticed that? Like you, you might be super diligent this month. You might be super diligent this week. This sermon might motivate you. Okay, I'm cleaning this up. I, that's done. And I'm going to do this and we're getting on point. But come back to me in a year and you'll find that life has, has drifted a little bit. Not, not in awful ways, but you need to like, th- this is not like I did this once and it cured me for the rest of my life. This is I did this once and then I try to do it every month or every year. And I try to just evaluate, okay, how's my calendar? How's my budget? How's my time? How's my rest? How's my relationship with God? Hey, here's, here's some, we all need to ask. Hey, how's my soul? Well, if I took inventory of my soul, am I right with God? Have I made things right with God? Is God the first part and the first uh, portion of my life and of my day and of my time? Is God first? Let me take inventory of my soul. Because if I'll take inventory, I'll never drift so far that I get months and years away and ask myself the question, what happened? How did I get here? You never want to get in life where you're like, how in the world did I end up here? That's a bad night, right? You ever ask the question, how did I end up here? Well, that's a bad life. Because see, what you don't want to do is get to the end of your life and somebody asks you, how did you get here? And you say, I don't know. I kind of got here on accident 
What you really want in life is this. Because if you'll determine to do what we're talking about today, you'll determine to put God first. If you'll determine to, to manage your time on purpose, if you do that, here's, here's what'll happen. I promise you. You'll get near the end of your life and some people will find you and be like, man, that's crazy, dude. Like, how, how is it that you're so blessed in life? How did, how did that happen? How is it that like, no matter what it is going on around you, man, you seem to have just incredible joy and peace and everybody else is stressed and worried and in a panic, but you seem just so at peace. How, how do you do Hey, how, what is up with your marriage? You've been married 30 years and you still like her? You still like it? Are you, man, how did you pull that off? Maybe maybe it's to do with your kids. You're like, man, how do your kids, your kids love God and serve God? Like, how did that? I took my kids and I tried this and that and the other, but I mean, it didn't. And, and, but like, and, and you, you can go through all these things and be like, how did your life end up so blessed? And you know what you can tell them? You can say, well, for a long time, I just lived by default. I just, I just kind of did whatever felt normal or what natural or just, I just lived by accident. See, before I used to, I used to put temporal things ahead of eternal things. And I used to put earthly things ahead of my heavenly father. And I, I just, I just lived by accident. But one day, one day I determined I'm not going to live on accident anymore. I'm going to do it on purpose. Let's pray this morning. So heavenly father, would you please speak to us this morning? Would you please challenge us this morning? Will you please maybe reveal some things to us today that maybe we've been blinded to even? Would you please show us, God, what ought to be important in our life? What is truly important in our life? What's the most important? God, I, I want to discover my purpose. And then, God, will you please give me the wisdom to plan and calendar these things in, to actually prioritize time? I don't want to have an accidental marriage. I, I want a, a marriage that happened on purpose. I don't, I don't want an accidental family. I don't want an accidental relationship with God. I want it on purpose. And so God, would you please help me? God, would you please show me if there's anything that's sinful or just a waste of my time that I need to remove? And God, would you give me the strength and the courage and conviction to rip that thing out of my life? God, would you please let this not be a single sermon on a Sunday morning, but God, would you please let this be a lifestyle? Would you please help this to become a habit in my life that leads me to your abundant life? Lord, that is my prayer this morning in Jesus' name. And if you agree with me, give me a good gospel. Amen. Yeah, can we give Lord a big hand clap this morning? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.